You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Welcome to another episode of Bible Prophecy Daily. I'm your host for this time around, Jake McCandless. This is my 17th episode as part of Bible Prophecy Daily. So I imagine I've had the chance to intersect with many of you, but if we're connecting for the first time, I am a pastor, author, uh, lead a ministry called Stand Firm, and the hope is to help believers navigate such a time as this concerned about what we read about in Matthew 24.10, that many will turn away. And my hope was how can we encourage believers to hold on, to stand firm. And that conviction, that burden, led me to do what I'm doing here. So I'm glad we get to intersect, whether we've done it before or not. I'm glad we connect. You can learn more about me at standfirmministries.com. I'm super excited about this episode. One of the main things that I have talked about since launching Stand Firm My first book, Spiritual Prepper, was about this. Of course, I've grown a lot since that came out in 2017. But I've wanted to make clear that Bible prophecy also talks about what the church will be like at the end of the age. That just as we have all this information about the Antichrist, all these things that are going to happen around the world, those type things, we're also told a lot about the church. And I've talked about that in many different ways. Lead an event called Truth to Stand Firm. It was in a kind of an old school revival format. Preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. A great time, but talked about Bible prophecy. And I guess one of the areas that I'm aimed at is really connecting with those who love the Lord, you know, faithfully following Him, but maybe not tracking in Bible prophecy. And my background as a pastor. I feel like I have an opportunity to connect with people and kind of give the introductory, <laughs> kind of the starter pack uh, to get walking in you know, the things that you're tracking in here with this podcast. So again, I've said in a lot of different ways how the church is going to be like at the end of the age. As I was preparing for that week, the Lord gave me a new way to talk about it. And so I want to share that in this episode. It started with a quote, not from scripture, but from a book I had to read my senior year of high school. Some of you may have done the same, or maybe a few of you have read it for fun yourself. Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, in which he begins the book with, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. The best of times. The worst of times. I believe far more than what he was trying to describe, as he's trying to describe the pre-French Revolution, London and Paris, I think it describes the church at the end of the age. I believe there's three passages that lays this out very clearly. Again, there's many passages that talk about what the church will be like at the end of the age. And it's really a desperate picture. But then you get some moments, you get some glimpses within prophecy of the church, and it sounds like the church of the first followers, the church in the book of Acts. But I believe in these three passages, you see both the best of times, the worst of times of the church at the end of the age. 
in the same passage, in the same breath. So starting with the words of Jesus, recorded in Matthew 24, 9-14, through 14, part of the Olivet Discourse. Of course, the beginnings of birth pains that we see in the first part of Matthew 24 are difficulties the church and the world will face. But in verse 9, he zeroes in on what the church will face. He says, you'll be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now that passage had a lot about the worst of times, but you can also get a glimpse of the best of times. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. The Great Commission is going to be accomplished. From every tribe, tongue, and nation, people will come to Christ. And I'm not describing this as an end-time revival. In terms of when we think about like a Billy Graham crusade or the Great Awakenings, where the multitudes come to Christ... But I believe it's in the power of a persecuted church where you see genuine believers living out their faith and through that power, people are reached. So the best of times, the gospel spreading, the great commission being completed, the worst of times, persecution, death, hated by the nations, Many turning away, believers betraying one another, hating one another, being led astray by false prophets, false teaching, an increase in wickedness, and a love growing cold in the church. This is describing the church. So kind of paint a picture of what this is. As persecution comes at the hands of the great harlot Babylon, and or, I'm going to go with and, the Antichrist and his rise, and or, the world just heading in that direction, we're going to see increase in persecution. We already see it. Those who track these things tell us it's more persecution happening now than any other time in history. So as persecution ramps up, it says many will turn away. So as things become more difficult, as the threat of life and the threat of loss of freedom come, people give up, people turn away, people quit following. Now we see this in history and we see this around the world. As persecution increases, there are those who turn away. And I know some you hear that and you're like, whoa, what, you know, why? You know, I, I guess we can get that. But at the same time, we know that's not what a follower of Christ should do. But we have to understand, in places like the United States and in the West, where we're in this bubble of seemingly freedom of religion, we can come to Christ not realizing our life is at stake. While in other places around the world, when someone comes to Christ, they know it could be the loss of their freedom and the loss of their life. 
heard a missionary talk about reaching someone in the Middle East in one of the nations where you would be killed for your faith. This lady says she wants to believe, she wants to become a follower of Christ, and they stopped her. And they said, of course, we love this, but you have to understand, it could cost you your life. To which they said, I still want to believe. So in some places, the gate is, accept Christ and maybe lose your life, lose your freedom. Here in the States, accept Christ. And you may never have to face persecution. And so that fork in the road, that moment of truth, are you going to follow Christ even when it costs you your life? May not have to be decided till years down the road. And so I think especially this passage is talking about us in the West. As persecution increase, some people will turn away, but then the really harsh reality here will betray and hate each other. Now, one of the major things I deal with with Stand Firm is church hurt. And many of you have probably been hurt by in church in some way. And there's no hurt like church hurt. But this isn't talking about just church hurt. This is talking about professed believers, maybe people you attend church with, maybe people in your small group who become identified as a Christian the official or whoever's bringing the persecution comes to them and says, are you a follower of Christ? And they threaten them with their life or their freedom and, or they offer them a plea deal. We'll spare you. If you turn away from your faith, if you recant, and if you give us the name of your pastor, of your leader, of your small group leader, of other believers, and they give up those names, that's the betrayal is talking about. And it's talking about it on an epidemic proportion. And again, I think really us in the West, we have to realize this is talking about us because we're the ones who haven't faced this reality. We're the ones who have the most comfortable life in history. It's going to be hard for us to go through these difficulties. And if we have a way out by just slipping some names, it's probably going to happen. Well, we know it's going to happen. We see it in Scripture. This is the shape of the church. Now, this passage, of course, talking about events at the end of the age, has already played out time in and time again within the church around the world. We see this within the persecuted church. We see the best of times, the worst of times, for it is in the same places where the most persecution is, when the church is completely underground, that it's growing at the fastest rate in the world. I wish I could remember the year offhand, but a few years ago I was tracking, looking at, okay, where's the gospel spreading the fastest? At this time, it was in Iran. In Iran, the church was growing at 20%, while in the United States it was 0.04%. At the time, I was doing that research, Afghanistan was coming in at number two. I mean, two highly persecuted places, yet that's where the gospel was exploding. That's where it was blowing up. So we see this played out. I was talking to some friends who had worked in uh, with Voice of the Martyrs, and they talked about they had been with over 40 different groups who've been persecuted for over a 10-year span. And they were telling us, I mean, amazingly how so many have stood 
remain faithful in persecution. But he says, Jake, you also have to understand, they're not perfect. The same struggles we're struggling with in church, it happens there. It happens even within persecution. But we see this. We see the power of the church, but then we see the struggle. Wow, I talked about that verse a lot. <laughs> I told you I wanted to get to three, really ultimately four, but uh, three that showed this dichotomy, this double-edged sword of the best of times and the worst of times. So I guess in the next episode, I'm going to pick that up. But I want to go ahead and give you these passages, even though I hope you catch the next one. Another one is Revelation 6, 9-11, through 11, where we read about the souls under the altar because they've been slain. And we see this ultimate persecution. But in that same passage, we see people in the most fierce persecution holding out the word of God and their testimony. We also see this in Daniel 12, which I want to talk more about in my next episode. But the best of times, the worst of times, the church at the end of the age. I do not want to face persecution. I kind of like my freedoms. I like following Christ at minimum consequence, just to be honest. But there's another part of me that absolutely longs for being part of a church and part of a movement that looks like the book of Acts. And so as we talk about that, we see these passages, we see this double-edged sword within these passages. I, I hope you can see, yeah, the pain, but then the beauty. And not just looking at the persecuted church around the world now and throughout history. If we go back to the first century, if you look in the book of Acts, the gospel spread when persecution came. It was as the followers of Christ are on the move, running for their lives, that they share the gospel. So though I absolutely hate that I believe my children, grandchildren, will definitely encounter this if I don't. At the same time, I'm jealous of the power of the church they're going to see. So as followers of Christ, especially those who hold to a later tribulation view, as many of you do, as we look at this time ahead, I don't think we need to look at it just in, in doom and gloom, just in dread. We need to know the beauty of the church that's going to come, the beauty and ashes, the power, the church that we long to be a part of now. It's going to be there, but it's going to take the pressures of that time. But this picture, and I said I was excited to share this, excited about the way the Lord gave me this to, to share last week, and I know I'm be sharing it this way in the future. But looking at it as this dichotomy, as Charles Dickens says, it will be the best of times and the worst of times. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 